Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Real Live Talk. I'm your host, Duke Lamastra, and uh, for this episode, I sat down with Tim and Sarah Outlaw, and it just occurred to me, one of the things I forgot to mention in this interview is how cool their last name is. But anyway, Tim and Sarah work through uh, Nation to Nation Christian University, providing video-based training and discipleship to Christians around the world. They help to train leaders in Africa, and they have a major emphasis in Asia as well. Their ministry involves going into even some of the most remote parts of the world to start Bible schools and provide resources and training. Their vision is to make Bible training available to every tongue, tribe, and nation. I really had a lot of fun with this interview and just getting to know Sarah and Tim a little bit more. So I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this discussion. Thanks again so much for being here. Let's go ahead and uh, just jump right into this conversation with Tim and Sarah Outlaw. All right, Tim and Sarah Outlaw. Can you guys hear me? We can. Awesome. Awesome. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. Awesome. I'm really excited to have you guys here. I've been uh, looking forward to this conversation for a while, ever since we set it up. I'm excited to talk to you guys a little bit about what you're doing, what God is doing through you guys uh, in terms of the missions work that you do and and everything else. I know you guys have a lot going on, and so I'm just really looking forward to this. Thank you guys so much for doing this. I know that, Sarah, right now you are very, very pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm less pregnant. You can show with the camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very pregnant. You might notice I have to run to the restroom a couple times because <laughs> I have a baby sitting on my bladder. <laughs> yeah, we will uh, definitely just make yourself at home. Feel free to do whatever you need to do. Again, I really appreciate you guys. Uh, it would have been really easy to say, no, we're, we're too close. We have too much going on. It's too crazy. Uh, I know you haven't been feeling 100%, Sarah, the last uh, few days. And so really appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah. Here. and if, I, if anyone wonders why my voice sounds so weird, it doesn't normally sound like this, but I've been coughing like crazy, and so I've been losing my voice, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, again, thank you so much for being a trooper, and and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to have this opportunity, two for one, special, to get to talk to both of you guys, and uh, get your perspective on on ministry, on missions, on what uh, specifically what you guys are doing in the missions world and, um, and what God is doing through you. So uh, I would rather hear you guys tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do than to hear it coming from me. <laughs> so uh, why don't you guys just uh, talk to us just a little bit about what it is exactly that you all do? You want me to go first? Okay. Well, the simple way to put it is we start Bible schools and it's not brick and mortar stuff. It's uh, hard drives typically taking that into remote areas. In some cases, just a hard drive. Some cases, it's a hard drive and a projector. Sometimes it's a hard drive projector and solar panels, depending where we're going, because we're in 40 different nations right now. Um, wow. So it's all video based. So we got associates level, bachelor level stuff. Um, and it's done, all the teaching is done. So someone with a sixth grade education can understand it because, you know, mm. we're still in English uh, as uh, all over the place. We're getting it in Swahili and French and Mandarin and different languages, but uh, primarily it's English everywhere. So uh, we try to get rid of the idioms and a lot of the cultural stuff and just focus on, you know, meat of uh, scripture. And we also have courses on ministry and we get that out all over the place. And um, in some cases, some nations, we just have a course here or there. Others, we have full-fledged schools and goodness, Burundi, we have, I forget how many schools, it's just some certain number, I want to say like 100, and don't quote me on that, but some ridiculous amount wow. of schools we have in certain nations, 
And um, so Sarah and I are focused on Asia. So we got a lot of contacts in there and that's where we, we get out a lot of stuff. Um, but we do a lot of day-to-day -day stuff too. Like I was telling you right before we got in here, you know, we're trying to get a video editor. We're trying to get another person to help fill orders when we ship stuff out. And so um, I do a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff, HR stuff, administrative stuff too. And that's kind of what we do the day-to-day. -day. Um, you want to add anything? Well, another language we have Spanish. Um, we oh, yeah. have a whole Spanish curriculum and we have it. We have our Bible schools all over Latin America, uh, all over Mexico. So that's really cool. So cool. Uh, now, Sarah, did you um, did you grow up in Africa or I know I you spent did. some time. I know your parents were missionaries, right? Um, yeah. How much of your life did you spend actually in Africa or in, I don't know if you lived in any other countries before the U.S. too, but um, what did that look like for you growing up? I moved to Africa when I was one and we came wow. back when I was 12. So wow. um, I spent my childhood there and I absolutely loved it. It was the most amazing place to have a childhood. And um, our time in Africa was spent in the Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo, wow. and Kenya and Tanzania. So I got to experience a lot of different countries and traveled to some additional countries as well. And uh, it was amazing to just see all the miracles God did and and how, how hungry all the, the people were for God there. They were just so excited to learn about God, so passionate to get taught the Bible. Wow. So cool. I imagine that that must have uh, had a really profound impact on you in terms of what you're doing now. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. is that what? Yeah. Did. I mean, I've grown up loving missions work. Yeah. And uh, what's funny is when I was 10 years old living in Africa, God spoke to me really clearly and told me he wanted me to be a missionary to Asia. And I was kind of like, Asia, why Asia? I, I would have thought Africa because I'm used to it here and I love it here. But um, I went on my first mission trip to Asia when I was 17, almost 18, turned 18 in Asia. And, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And um, so so I'm, I have a huge, huge heart for Asia. And, mm. and uh, I spent many years living there. Tim and I spent many years living there and doing missions work there. And, and so I guess um, the two countries I'm most past or the two continents I'm most passionate about are Asia and Africa. Yeah. <laughs> and those are where we've done our primary. Yeah, most of our work, yeah. And Tim has done a lot of mission trips to Africa as well that I haven't been able to go on because of being pregnant or having a new okay. one or something. Yeah, well, so I wanted to ask you guys, how much of your ministry, uh, because I know you do a lot of, of video-based training and stuff like that, and I know, Tim, you were telling me about how many video calls you do on a daily and weekly basis, and um, so how much of your work would you say is, f like, taking place from the U.S., and then how much of it is actual, like, going into other nations and going on the mission trips and things like that that is a hard answer so okay. you know our job is to equip the nationals right so like everywhere we have a school it's not like um you know we're sending some american over into burundi or into somewhere in asia or latin america we do to start the school but usually we're working with locals right we're, lo we're working okay. with locals that they become our, our national directors or our facilitators so cool I and love that's that. What we do. And so there's a lot, a lot of time that goes into that. And a lot of time that, you know, is spent making the curriculum, making the curriculum better, getting it translated, getting people to do these different things. And so the majority of the time, I would say, is American based, that side of things. 
Um, we do have uh, two trips going to Africa here into June, which is our first, I think our first trip in a year and a half because of COVID. Wow. Because <laughs> we on. had three trips planned in 2020, all got canceled because of COVID. And, mm. you know, and, and it's been rescheduled. One of the trips has been rescheduled now three times. Um, wow. But uh, the plan moving forward, I guess, as far as like going uh, in different places and whatnot, I'm going to be probably doing a hands-on trip once a year to Tanzania, as well as uh, probably a kind of hands-on trip in Asia once a year. So we just do these little trips, you know, because like when we translate stuff into a new language, bring over the new resource, right? Yeah. Because I've been dealing recently, for instance, with um, getting stuff, a, a new thing into Asia, and we had to deal with customs, okay. and uh, that was sure. a nightmare, and it's still a nightmare sure. working with that. So yeah, bringing stuff in hands-on has been the best way. So majority is, is stateside, but we still have to go over there to to start the work and uh, start up those schools. Now, is there a way to bring stuff in, in like limited quantities and then reproduce it there? Is that sort of how you do it? You just you bring in what you can, but then it's, you do the, the majority of it is whether it's, is it a lot of video stuff or is it paper documents and things like that? Like, yeah, I mean, so the bulk of the data obviously is video. Um, there, there is, we have quizzes and tests and all kinds yeah, of yeah, yeah. notes, you know, um, and that is a challenge in Africa because printing is very expensive over there. But okay. in Asia, Latin America, I think it's a little easier, some depending where it is. But um, yeah, so it's all on a hard drive. So like recently I shipped a one terabyte hard drive full of stuff to a part okay. of Asia, a new nation cool. there in Asia. And so um, it's a fairly large, you know, to put a whole Bible school onto something that's about a terabyte of information we send out. Um, and that, it depends, you know, because like if they just want the associates level or if they just want, you know, a course here or there, it's, it's different. Yeah. But in this case, it's a full terabyte of stuff. So, well, it's uh, amazing yeah. how a terabyte, how quick you can fill up a terabyte these days. Like I remember when <laughs> a terabyte first came out, it, I was just like, that's a, that's incredible. That's so big. Like, how could you ever? But as heavy as video files are and all of that, I mean, you know, it's just it's 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 a challenge. I imagine I imagine that it's a challenge to try to, like, get all of that content kind of produced and reproduced, you yeah. know, considering, you know, the, the large file sizes and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, well, it's very true. And then when we lived in Asia, um, yeah, we brought over several hard drives of stuff and we had mastered DVD copies because. DVDs are still widely used in a lot of nations. I know not so much in the U.S., but uh, especially going back almost ten years ago, uh, very much so. And uh, you know, we'd have master I still use them. Huh? You still use them too? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. But we we could get those reproduced very cheaply. I'm trying to remember some numbers, but I think it was like what two cents, something like that, a DVD. Because yeah. we mm. had certain courses, you know, like I remember one course was something like forty discs, forty DVDs, and so it was like, oh man, this is really pricey. But then like you know, two cents a piece. And so we got tens of thousands of courses out wow. across uh, nations in Asia and reproduced them in-house because that was cheaper to do there than over here. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it's going there. So no point shipping that and things like that. So that's awesome. So cool. Hey, um, can we back up a little bit? And I, I want to ask you guys how, how you two met because I don't know the story, but I think I know that you didn't, you did not meet in this country, right? Is that correct? We actually did, but we okay. dated while I was in Texas and she was in Asia. Although okay. part of the time when we were dating, we were both in Asia. No, so. We we were. We'll see. Well, let's mm -hmm. start from the beginning. And okay. You want to start the story? You you can start if you. Well, want. my memory might not be as good as yours on this. Okay. 
Well, it's it's a very funny story. Well, I guess it does start with me meeting your brother. Yeah. And go all back. Okay, so I led this college ministry, and her brother was coming to it. He came maybe six, eight months into this, something like that. And I felt like we were fairly close for knowing each other that point in time. And I thought he was only child from everything I knew of this guy. And then one day he's like, yada, yada, my sister. And I'm like, whoa, oh. well, tell me about the sister. And he would not. Like, is she, is she older or younger? Is she pretty? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he would not answer. And um, I wound up giving him a really hard time about it. And of course, this is a college ministry, a lot of like 18, 19 year old guys. So that same night, I hear two guys arguing about, and I forget some celebrities, you know, like who's hotter, this girl or this girl. And I, I didn't know Sarah's name. I didn't know anything. But I walked up and very loudly said, hands down, say, uh, Ben's sister. He didn't know what I looked like <laughs> or anything. He, knew, he was just giving my brother a hard time. <laughs> so it became a whole joke in, in my, my home church. Ben sister like like we made bumper stickers about it i made a t-shirt i heart ben sister that's amazing <laughs> that's they, so cool jim took the church youth group on a on a on a trip to a camp and i wouldn't say i i i was on a trip to, with the yeah, group, yeah but a, he was one of the youth leaders and um tim wrote with soap on the on the van oh, i yeah. heart ben sister yeah in the muddy van like we <laughs> cleaned it i heart ben sister so it was just this big joke and this was at some point in that, I met you. I'm trying to remember what point in that, but at some point in that, I met you. So wait, did, did Sarah know that? Did Sarah know at the time that all this yeah. was was happening? Like, was she in on the joke? No, I wasn't. Okay. Um, my brother, I I came home from my senior year in college, and my brother told me, "Hey, I want you to come to my col my college and career group uh, at my church, um, and just meet my friends, you know." And uh, and then he said, and there's some guys there that want to meet you. And then <laughs> that, I immediately was like, okay, put up my shields, put up my guard, because I was already preparing to um, move to Asia as a missionary. And so I figured none of the guys there would be planning on being missionaries to Asia. So I was just going to ignore them all. Gotcha. Because um, <laughs> at that point, I kind of figured if I want to meet a guy, it's going to have to be uh, another missionary in Asia. Um, or else, I, you know, how can I find someone compatible with me? Because I was planning to, you know, live in Asia the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, so, so when I met him, I, I, I just ignored him. <laughs> was pretty mean to him. <laughs> well, skip forward so to how I got the number. Yeah. Okay. So, so I've been trying to get her attention for a while, and I think he went back to college, and you know, so she was out of out of the city and everything. And at this point, she's already knows she's going to Asia. She's going to move to Asia. And she didn't want to give everyone, you know, didn't want to give me the time of day. So I did know a little bit of her testimony, a little bit of her story uh, from knowing her brother, which was God used her at a very young age. You know, she'd pray for people and they'd be healed and, and just a lot of different things, miraculous. Um, and so I was leading a middle school group at my home church. And there was a series of lessons for a month on God using you now. You know, um, it's that passage on First Timothy, right? Uh, about young people. I can't think of it offhand, but, you know, it was focused on that and, and you know, telling middle school, hey, God can use you, right? You don't have to wait till you're grown up. And um, so I, I sent her a message on MySpace. This is back in the day uh, before Facebook. Well, Facebook existed, but not many people were on there. Right? Shout out, shout out to Tom on MySpace. <laughs> um, so I sent her a message, hey, I'm doing this lesson on this, this, this. Um, 
anything you want to you want to share or add you know to, i can tell these 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 young students and so i thought one of two things he, she, he asked me he asked me can you tell me a bit about your testimony because yeah. your brother told me a bit about it and and i know i feel like this is right up your alley so when he asked me that how could i resist helping middle school students know that god can use them now you know like that's something i'm super passionate about and so at that point I was actually getting ready to um, go on a trip to start uh, fundraising and speaking in churches to to raise the funds I needed to move to Asia. And so um, I didn't have the time to write out a long email telling him everything I wanted to say yeah. to middle school students. So I was like, here's my number, call me. I'll be on long, high, long stretches of highways the next few days, just call me. And, so we ended up talking for, I think, an hour or two. I think it was two hours the first time. Yeah. Two hours. And then I remembered something else I forgot to tell him. And I called him like a day later and we talked for another hour or two. And we ended up talking a lot <laughs> over yeah. a few weeks. And um, let's see. And then skip to when you were leaving for Asia. Uh -huh. That's an important note. So at this point, we got to know each other. We're talking on the phone a lot. And so uh, I know she's leaving for Asia. And I'll just tell you my my side of stuff kind of helps the context here. So yeah, I feel very convicted, like this was the girl, like like God had for me, right? So like, and I've been praying about this. I was 11 years old, and at this point, I'm 24, 25. Okay, um, so very convicted. All right, God's like, hey, you gotta follow through. And it makes sense to me because she's leaving for Asia. So I wrote this mm -hmm. love letter and wanted to give it to her before she left. And, and wait, pause. Real, sorry, letter. real quick. How how long uh, how long had you known her at that point? several months no it was like was it over it a, year? Was a year okay okay year. okay right, thank no you i didn't mean to interrupt just just yeah. wanted some context yeah. there we go yeah but we weren't dating yet it was just conversations right so i'm still pursuing her trying trying to get that dating relationship you know yeah and um so i have this love letter for her and she completely rejects it will not open it uh <laughs> but here's the thing at that point i had started really developing strong feelings for him and I was scared that if I read the love letter, I was not going to get on the plane to move to Asia. Wow. <laughs> I would just be like, I wouldn't be able to, to get on that plane. And so I told him, email it to me. <laughs> and for some reason, I wasn't thinking about the fact it was a physical handwritten love letter. Um, but I was like, email it to me once I'm in Asia. <laughs> yeah. So he did that. He typed it all up. <laughs> oh, that was nice of you. That was nice to you. <laughs> and eventually we had the conversation. And what I remember from this conversation, when she's in Asia and I'm in Texas, South Texas. So we're like literally opposite ends of the world uh, from each other. Yeah. Uh, I think 14 hour time difference, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. She tells me, well, this doesn't really matter much because I made a, a commitment to my missions group that I will not date anyone for a year. Yeah, because they, they asked the <laughs> young missionaries to make that commitment so that they could really get into the the ministry and the culture and learning the language without distractions and and so i had made that commitment <laughs> and then so i was like well i i can't date you anyway because i already made this one-year commitment yeah at elam it was 16 weeks so it wasn't it, w it wasn't as bad it was 16 weeks at elam so i had to uh i'd wait a little while when uh after i'd met denise and okay. uh but 16 weeks is a lot less than a year. So anyway. You know what Tim responded though, Tim? Tim said, well, this is great news because now I know that no other guy can pursue you for a whole year. Okay. Yeah. 
Glad, it, glass half full. Come on. It was it was interesting because it's like, you know, I knew God had me, you know, work on with these college students. And I yeah. you know, was very confident, you know, God had her where he had her. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, searching and seeking God that next year. And um, kind of, I guess, the short of it, um, th- there was a lot, a lot of very divine instances where God was pointing me to Asia. And so it kind of s- started with meeting Sarah. But that same time, was it the same time he left or I met you? I'm trying to remember. But s- s- I think it was around the time Sarah left for, yeah, for a- Asia. Left. Uh, my pastor was in Asia, same country, <laughs> doing, doing work. Wow. And then I met this guy. Um, and I, this is so crazy. So... I, some elders at my church were like, hey, go to this men's group, go to this men's group. I finally go. And there was this guy that came back from eight years in Asia and shares his testimony, right? So this all happens. He was this, a missionary doing missions work there. Yeah. So this all happens in the same <laughs> summer. Uh, meanwhile, um, there's just other, some of the crazy things. Like, so I had like a dream about moving to Asia and don't want to read too much into that. But it was like when everything else is happening, it's hard not to. And then there was an elder in my church that kept asking about my passport. And it was for a completely different reason, actually because he was doing this thing in Mexico, but he was asking week after week. And so all I was hearing is Asia, Asia. He kept asking, <laughs> have you gotten a passport yet? Have you gotten a passport yeah. yet? And so Tim, Tim really took and, that as <laughs> a sign from the, God. And then the, like the nail on the head was, so I had just quit my job actually to focus on the college ministry God called me to, or I thought, I thought that's why I, I quit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And because um, it, it was very clear God wanted me to focus on ministry. And, um, so I had no money, no income, and I feel tug to uh, Asia. Then that was, I believe, goodness, what year was that? I can't remember what year, but there was a stimulus package that I got $1,600, and uh, it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's how I went to Asia the first time. <laughs> wow, come on, Jesus. Stimulus package from the government. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when that when that would have been. Yeah, I want... See, my first trip was 2010, so I want—I can't remember. Yeah. If I got stimulus in 2009 or 2010, but it was, it was one of those years. Um, yeah, I remember. I, I, because I, I vaguely remember it. I think I only—I don't think I got that much. Yeah, it makes <laughs> sense to me that I got that much. I think they messed up. But <laughs> they put a one in front of because I—I think I got around 600 if I remember right. So I think they—they added—they added a one. Yeah. In front in front of your number, but anyway, uh, hey, whatever. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, once I was uh, in this nation, it, it made a lot of sense why God had me there. Because like my fears going in was like, well, I don't speak the language, right? Uh, I noticed that tons of them speak English. And then um, another reservation was like, well, I'm not a great evangelist. And this trip I, was, I went on was an evangelism trip. But I got to share Christ with, uh, I'm trying to remember how many students, I think it was 12 students, so 11 out of the 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, they just asked the right questions. It wasn't like me pushing the gospel down their throat, you know? Yeah. And so I just saw the openness there in Asia and it's in a lot of Asian nations, actually, the openness they have for the gospel. Um, and so it became very evident and then God put people in place in that college ministry. So it was just very clear. And then, uh, you know, so it made sense why me and Sarah could be together. And I guess that, that was the biggest obstacle was like the continent thing, you know, being in yeah. <laughs> different ones. Yeah. And so that that first year when we weren't allowed, when I was under the one year commitment not to date, we were able to just be friends and keep in touch. Um, and then on the day that the one year expired, Tim asked me to be his girlfriend. And of course <laughs> I said, yes. <laughs> Come on. And, um, and then he, he uh, brought a buddy with him over and the three of us traveled all over Asia 
that next summer, um, while we that first summer we were dating, um, he he made sure to bring a friend for like. Uh, I would say accountability because it, yeah, it's like we're traveling you know, like, together. We didn't so. want to travel yeah. just the two of us all over yeah. Asia. So Tim brought a Tim asked a good friend to be a third wheel for us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That's smart. I mean, it sounds like you guys did a lot of. A lot of really smart, wise things at the beginning of your relationship. And and I would imagine that being apart, like for that one year where you couldn't date and like learning how to be friends long distance before learning how to be a couple long distance. Because, um, yeah, I just imagine because the majority of uh, long distance relationships, they tend not to work out. Um, I know me and me and Denise were kind of, uh, you know, on the, the good side of that statistic, fortunately, but we were apart for a very large part of our dating relationship. And even for the majority of our engagement, we were in two different countries. Um, I just imagine that being able to be friends and just work on cultivating the friendship while being long distance and like learning how to communicate with each other and stay in touch as, as friends like before you had to do that as, you know, more of a romantic kind of a relationship long distance. I imagine that 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 must have had a, a really profound impact. Yeah, it um, was it was um, it was really good. We really got to know each other. I mean, by the time that he asked me to be his girlfriend, I was already like 70 percent sure ready I was going to marry him. <laughs> yeah, maybe even more, maybe like 80 percent sure. Um because I had already gotten to know him so well as a friend and uh it's huge yeah it was really wonderful that's huge that's such a good foundation um yeah like (laughs) yeah it's it's so cool there's I I just see I see some parallels there between like my you know my situation with Denise and stuff like that uh we did we started dating when uh we were both at Elam and then I don't know. I think we were, it was like second semester at Elam. We started dating about maybe halfway through. I remember it was Easter. It was like Easter time. It was on Easter break when we officially started dating, but we had already become such good friends at that point. I'm telling you guys, like before we started dating, I already knew she was my wife, you know? (laughs) And it was just like, all right, well at this point, what are we, you know, what are we waiting for? And then it was just, you know, getting through school and, you know, getting through like the logistical stuff. And then, but yeah, we knew, we knew from the very, very beginning. And, uh, she had legitimately become my, my best friend during that time. And I just think that's so cool that you guys were able to, um, really just focus on that. You had that opportunity, which, you know, some people could have looked at that opportunity as not an opportunity as like, Oh, well, this just isn't going to work. And let's not even, let's just forget about it. Cause you know, who can wait a year and all this kind of stuff. But um, but just even the fact that you guys are willing to submit to that um, that guideline or rule, you know, whatever it was that you want to call it in place, but whatever they were asking you to do, that commitment that you made, Sarah, and the fact that both of you were willing to commit to that and just really, you know, stay faithful even in that, even in, you know, the, you know, when we're faithful in the little things, God, God trusts us and blesses us with more. And so I just think that's awesome. I love that uh, origin story. I'll add to, I think, because I think it's an important note. Um, you know, it, I think we were both being led by the Holy Spirit. I think we we're both like listening sure. to God and like a little tidbit that was in the love letter to her that I think is real important. My conviction was, I don't know how this is a work. 
but I'm confident this is what God has. And so I think I said something love letter like, I don't know how this has worked, but I know who my God is. And, um, yeah. you know, and so that was back to that love letter, like before we were dating, I'm like, so here you go. You know? <laughs> yeah. And what's cool is, you know, how Tim said, um, God led him to go on a mission trip to Asia. Um, and, and, uh, that, that his very first mission trip was when I had been living in Asia for, I think maybe six, year, months. Right? Oh, six months. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So, um, that was during the year where we weren't where we weren't dating, yeah. but I was able to see him and for a day. And that was really wonderful to just um, see each other in Asia, you know, doing ministry. And, and, um, and <laughs> I think seeing him in Asia was when I started. Then that's Rethinking when, things. That's when I really started <laughs> thinking, okay, I think I could marry this guy. <laughs> Um, just Very cool. seeing how he had followed God's leading to, to come to Asia and, and do ministry. And, um, I wish I could have spent more time than one day with him. I wasn't able to stay with him that whole mission trip. Cause I, I had other, other commitments. Um, but it was really amazing to see him there. And, and uh, that was definitely a pivotal, uh, point in a turning, yeah. a turning point for me, because up until then, mm -hmm. Up until I, I, I met just him talk, in Asia, right? I was like, this is an amazing guy who I have a huge crush on, but I need to get over that crush. Yeah, I need to, I need to stop liking him because God has him um, doing ministry in America as a college and career pastor. And I can't, I don't think that he's going to move to Asia as a missionary, but he kept trying to tell me, well, I don't know how God's going to work it out, but... <laughs> yeah. I feel confident that, that God wants us together and, and God will bring me to Asia or something. Yeah. <laughs> bring me back to America, bring me to Asia. God will work it out somehow. Yeah. I was Absolutely. Kind of like, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Man, almost 10 years later, or more than 10 years later, right? He's done both. Yeah. <laughs> yep. we, we, we lived together. We, we got married and we lived together in Asia and did ministry together for years. And then we, we had to move back because of health issues I had. Um, okay. But what's amazing is we were able to continue running all of our Asian ministry from here in America. Yeah, it's actually mm. expanded since we got, that's what's great. Is that's awesome. The timing of stuff and God's God's direction. and Yeah, yeah and, and, and through, through moving back to America and running our Asian ministry from America, we ended up delegating more to um, Asian pastors and so, in, so that also helped to expand our work because before it was like we were the only ones doing it, just the two okay. of us. And then we started delegating more. So it's really amazing how God God works works it all out. That's so cool. I love the, I love the fact that in your that in your ministry you focus a lot on empowering the people that are locally in that area rather than not that there's any you know not that there's anything wrong with doing it either way but um not just like we got to be constantly in and out in and out in and out or we got to send people to to live there otherwise the whole thing's going to fall apart but the fact that uh you know you really devote a lot of your resources and 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 energy into that area of empowering the people that live there um because i think that that's such a a good way to to get um, you know, whether you're talking about a Bible school like you're like you're talking about or whatever it is that you're building in that area to get like to the autonomy stage where, you know, we can 
we can live, we can grow, we can function, you know, more or less on our own. You know, they're not dependent on you all the time, but they can grow and uh, and and sort of have that base of operations there in a more stable way. Um, I love that you focus on on that. Um, yeah, did, go ahead. I was just say, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard it said many times. It's important that every disciple understands at some point it's their job to make disciples, you know, and it's, I think, some... I'm not downing any, any mission, but I know just, I know how some people do stuff is like, you know, just send, 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 you know, every resource from North America, you know, kind of thing. And I think we, we, you know, we got to be empowering all the nations to be making disciples and sending out people, you know, it's not yeah. just uh, North America. It's not just, uh, you know, the Western world. It's not just any one nation or any one, you know, group denomination. It's, you know, the church. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, have a, I have a technical question for you guys in terms of um, fundraising, raising support for missions and stuff like that. How much of what you guys do, or are you guys fully um, dependent on fundraising and stuff like that at this point? Or how, how does that work for you guys? Yeah, so we're sent out by Elam. And so we raise funds through Elam. Awesome. We work under nation to nation. And so nation nation kind of has their, their funds are separate from our funds. We've raised funds to do stuff with them, uh, like different projects and stuff, um, different trips. But uh, yeah, they kind of nation nation raise, raises their funds and, you know, has people, but we work under them and we're not the only people that raise funds to work under nation nation. We've got uh, folks in San Antonio. They do a lot of our work in Latin America. We've got okay. folks in Harlingen. They do a lot of different stuff. Um, <clears throat> even her dad raises his own funds and whatnot, and he's the president. So yeah, wow. we do have a big team of missionaries <laughs> that wow. work um, with our organization called Nation to Nation. Um, yeah. So that's awesome. Well, I I bring that up because so you guys, and if you if we look at the ministry as a whole and Nation to Nation and everything, like you guys raise a lot of support, right? I mean, you guys have been doing this for a long time. So uh, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this is because I think the support raising thing um, scares a lot of people. So for people that might be considering becoming a missionary or considering doing something in ministry where they have to raise support for a period of time, um, you know, I know I had to do that for a little while, like when Denise and I were in Mexico, and then even when we were we were home missionaries through Elam uh, for a little while, for I think the first couple years when we came back into the United States, and it was a little bit, uh, it was my least favorite thing probably to do was to, you know, to ask people for money, but it's just so necessary for so many people in, in ministry, but in missions in particular. And I think that it can be one of those things that causes a lot of fear or anxiety for people. Um, what would you say, you know, just to somebody as somebody, uh, you know, who has so much experience in that area and I, I imagine coaching others through, you know, raising support and stuff like that. Is there something that you would say to anybody who, you know, maybe struggling with that? I have lots to say, but I don't, you, you stop me. Uh, the main thing I'd say is if God, if you know for sure God's sending you someplace, right, or, or, or appointed you to do a work, um, you got to step off the boat and face the fear, right? Yeah. Have some faith and God's going to provide. And sure. I, I say that, uh, and I feel I've experienced that, you know, like I'll take my, my, told you my first trip, right? How, how on earth is this going to happen? I say, you know, hey, God, there was a check from the government that sent me 
There was more than that. It was, it was, I believe, $3,500 for my first trip to Asia. So half of it, that was what kind of like, oh, wow, God's already provided a miraculous way. But I had to, you know, speak in some churches. I had to send out a letter to 100 plus people. And I'm an introverted person. So that was very scary for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I saw God provide. And I, I mean, we've seen lots of times uh, throughout, uh, goodness, about be nine years married. And we've been raising support longer than that because before we were married we each raised support for stuff and um but there's times we've had to fast and pray and there's times we've had to uh you know uh <laughs> go in front of a bunch of different churches say, here's our needs we gotta you know meet this need meet that need but it's always been met and um our approach to like i know um we were we were trained with one group to ask people directly hey this amount we've never done that I don't, you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've ever done that in a like face-to-face setting. We've always done it in letters, emails, and that sort of thing. To be honest, to make it easier for people to say no, because I don't want that to come in between a relationship. Um, and you know, what's wow. funny is, is we, uh, after going through that training where they were like, hey, you know, ask this amount, ask, you know, we were all ready to do it, all amped to do it. And we prayed about it and we were kind of uneasy about it. And we went into this um, meeting and before we can even get the ask out, these people tell us, hey, so we want to support you X amount of dollars a month. And <laughs> so then we left that meeting going, huh, maybe we were hearing, right? You know, and I'm not saying anything against that approach. That's simply the yeah. approach we feel, uh, you know, led by um, to do. So, um, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, step off the boat, you know, face that fear. But if God's directed you to it, he's going to he's going to provide. And I'll throw one more out there. So going back to when I, I, I had a job at a sports store and I quit that job to focus on ministry. It was very clear. God, this is what God wanted me to do. And then it turned out that was Asian ministry, not so much the college ministry stuff, but uh, there was, you know, a few years there where I wasn't really having steady income. So I quit a good paying job managing a sports store and yeah. no income. And pretty quickly, God provided me a job making, um, I'll just say $50 an hour uh, doing computer work. Um, All right. so I was able to work a few hours a week and really wow. focus on ministry. And, um, you know, I look back like, wow, that's crazy. Like, I definitely didn't have the experience for to get paid that much, but that's what they were paying me to do that work. And um, so God's going to provide. And it might not be through the government or through a job or, you know, it might be through donations. It might be different ways, but um, I'm confident God will provide if he's directed your steps. So. And there's wow. a lot of different um, methods of support raising. Like yeah. you mentioned, like one of them is kind of like asking people that you're close to directly for a specific amount or telling them your needs. And, and Tim and I have kind of veered away from that because we just don't like that style as much. And so we do more of uh, speaking in churches and writing letters. Yeah, you got, yeah. you got to, it needs to know. I want to make that clear. Well, you yeah. can't, you can't, uh, there's, there, I forget the guy's name. There's a guy that just pray. And he says it was, but he would, in his prayers, he would, he would ask basically. Um, so I think you've got to make your needs known. You don't make right. your needs right. yourself right. failure. Yeah, we, we always make our needs known um, in person or, or through letters, but we just don't, the only thing we don't do with that one approach Tim was talking about is we don't ask people in person, Hey, would you be willing to give us a specific amount? But you know what? Some some people do that, and some people like yeah. that, and some people are totally happy for for people to ask them that question. Um, and you know what? Everyone has to figure out what works for them. Yeah. Um, because it's it's tough. No matter what method you choose, it's tough to raise support. Um, it's tough to raise finances for yourself, and 
Um, but there's there's a number of methods and, and if someone is trying to figure out what method works well for them or trying to figure out how to go about raising support, you can go on Amazon or just Google and, and search for support raising book. <laughs> and there's yeah. a ton of really good ones out there. Um, but yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, th I feel like we did, um, me and Denise did a little bit of, of everything from, you know, sending out the emails, sending out written letters, uh, we, you know, going to churches and speaking and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And I remember even, even like when we would, um, organize mission teams from here, like from our local church here, and we'd go into Mexico and, and, and places we would, uh, yeah, we would do, we do all kinds of stuff. We would, we would actually, um, it actually became a thing on the weekends. We would, get we'd make posters that talked about what we were doing and we would go like on on like there's an intersection kind of down the street from our house and we would just kind of go out there and we would uh just kind of you know cars as they're passing by people would stop and they'd ask us you know what we were doing we'd tell them we were you know going on a mission trip raising funds we would do stuff like that um even like uh we did i think we only did it once we did um uh, we put a dinner together so people came to the dinner and the and the donations would go toward the trip um, yeah there's so many different ways we were at the end or at least on on one of the I can't remember which trip it was but on one of the trips I remember like we were at the end and we were kind of you know we still needed some fun so <laughs> we just organized the like a call like a call center kind of thing one day we just got everyone here it was at our house and uh, the young people they were just making phone calls. We asked them to make a list of people and they just started making phone calls. And they were like, okay, this mission trip's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, would you be willing to do this? And so they reached out in sort of that more direct way just by phone. And I'm telling you, man, like people are not, not always and not everybody, but generally speaking, I, I find that people are more willing to give than we give them credit for. Yeah. And a lot of times people just, they really do want to help, you know, and even if it's not a ton, like of money, if it's little amount or whatever, I mean, it's a seed that God uses and, um, you know, every little, you know, little $10 here, $10 there, you know, it all adds up. And so, um, yeah, I would just say, I, I think that just being willing, like you said, Tim, at the beginning to, to step out and take that step of faith and say, you know what, God's calling us to do this. And, uh, this is just part of it. It's part of the process. And so where there's vision, there's provision. And so yeah. let's just, um, you know, let's just go for it. I love that. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, a lot of people really do want to help um, missionaries out with their missions work, but um, maybe they don't quite realize that um, those missionaries still need the funds or, or maybe they just forget. A lot of people have very good intentions, but they forget to send, to mail the check-in or to get online. And Yeah, true. And so like we, we always make our needs known and we, uh, we kind of like, uh, remind people through different types yeah. of social media and make a lot of different ministry posts and 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 we we post as much as possible on on all the social media platforms whether it's a ministry post or just a personal post to remind people that we exist so that they'll pray for us and so that if they were hoping to if they were planning to donate but they maybe just forgot maybe that post will remind them and they'll they'll donate to us <laughs> because you know that's the life of a missionary you you survive on yeah missions. yeah absolutely um so in your in your ministry and what you do um i know that you guys have 
have a vision, you guys have desire for reaching reaching people that are unreached, right? And reaching people that are in, you know, these like remote parts of the world and stuff like that. Um, I'd love to just talk a little bit about that. Um, as far as, so unreached, unreached people groups, um, where are we right now? <laughs> how many, how many unreached people groups do we have in the world? My, my understanding oh, right. is that it's, you know, six, <laughs> 7,000 or so. I don't, I don't know. That might be a low number. Um, do you know kind of where we're know. at? Is... That's offhand. I'll just tell you that. Um, you can Google it. Uh, <laughs> anyone can Google it and find out. I think the, it's a huge number. I'm just going to tell you what I, I don't think. Uh, so I st stopped following the stats when I just got to know a lot of people in Asia. And, and the reason why is, all right, so uh, a simple stat. Uh, if you, I think you Google it, you'll probably say there's 1.4 billion in uh, China specifically. Right. Um, <clears throat> but then meeting people from China, um, most of them, and this is before, you know, there's a two kid rule basically now, but a lot of them that I, I met had two and three siblings, but they're born out in the countryside. And then they basically didn't have, you know, ID with the nation and that sort of thing. And so there's okay. a lot of numbers that are not accurate because gotcha. there's remote areas we, we don't know much about. And there's also uh, laws that are being broken and things like that. Okay. Um, and that's, that's just one nation, you know, and like, goodness, I've been to parts of Africa that's pretty remote. And then I'm told, oh, that's not so bad. That's, <laughs> you know. Um, so, oh, right, going back to your question, your question was like, what, what, what was our heart for the unreached? Or what was, say it again? Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Let's go with that. <laughs> what was our heart for <laughs> Yeah, let's go with that. You want to talk about that for a bit? Yeah, yeah. well, um, like, well, so there are so many remote islands so many places that have people that have never even heard the name of jesus but then even in populated nations all over asia wow. um, and all over africa there's people that have never ever heard the name of jesus and mm -hmm. you know here in america it's like it's hard to i'm pretty sometimes. sure everyone has heard the name of jesus at least in a swear word <laughs> but, um, <laughs> True. i'm pretty sure every pretty much everyone in america knows who jesus is in some context um and and most most even non-christian americans know more than than uh anyone around the rest of the world and all over yeah, asia all areas. over africa there's these these remote areas as well like even in the cities people a lot of people have no idea who who Jesus is, but especially in the villages in the remote areas, there's people who who just are completely closed to the outside world. They don't have internet, they don't have TV, they don't they don't have they don't have any knowledge of who God is, of who Jesus is, of the Bible, of Christianity. One really cool example, um, well, when Tim and I were in Asia, there was a a, a college student we met and uh she was learning she learned english and she they like to come up with english names for themselves in asia when they're learning english so she came up with the name rabbit she called herself rabbit um <clears throat> rabbit told us that she had never ever heard of jesus or god until she was taking this this college class western culture, on western culture yeah. And in the, in wow. the college class, 
they talked about Jesus and Cinderella and the Easter Bunny. Like in the same sentence. The wow. Okay. Talking about American fairy tales and how hmm. in America they they oh and I think they mentioned Santa Claus maybe in that same sentence. Um. So they they, they just painted Jesus as a fictional, uh, just a fun thing that in American culture. So that was her first, um, the first time she heard about Jesus at all. But then she, it, it piqued her curiosity. So she started just Google. Well, she started re, uh, looking for it on the internet. And unfortunately, in the particular nation that Rabbit lived in, the government um, really restricted the internet so that Okay. It was kind of like it wasn't a real internet. It was just certain websites they allowed. Yes. So, yeah. Several you. nations in Asia do that. Um, so. And yep. so she wasn't able to access any Christian websites. And really, she was only able to access um, some information that the government put up about what Christianity is. She, which she basically found of, some propaganda from uh, the government. Yep. She, well, go ahead. Sorry. You know. Probably things. Uh, well, you. you I was gonna say. So she she read this propaganda from the government about uh, Jesus, and uh, I'm trying to remember what the context of it was. But she heard the name of Jesus in it, right? Okay, and it was basically, you know, I'm trying to think of the word for the, the government, but you know, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she's reading this propaganda, and she, but she heard Jesus, and then she said that night. <clears throat> she, wait, wait, hold on. What's okay, it, I don't want to skip ahead. What yeah. Tim means? What Tim means by propaganda? that particular government mm -hmm. they don't like to um let their people have a lot of information about christianity sure but they also don't want their people to feel like they are um hiding information yeah. from them about christianity so they give them just a little bit they control they what's uh, like, what like they're they allowed to see yeah. yeah like they have access to a little bit of knowledge of christianity um, so what the government tells them is things like well, in the Christian Bible, it says to obey your government, yeah. obey your governing authorities, and pay does, your taxes. Which is true, yeah. And so <laughs> they only choose the parts of the Bible that, that help them out. They're convenient, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, so that's that's what Tim means by government propaganda. Yeah. So, but, but then that night, right? That's yeah. what you're getting to. Did you, you well you you're the one that kind of discipled her. You should go through the story. Okay, so so <laughs> after after reading just the little bit that the government let her know about Christianity, mm -hmm. all on her own, she figured out or some just decided I would say the Holy Spirit spoke to her probably. Well somehow but... she decided to <laughs> kneel down on her knees by her bed. Wow. And pray and say, God or Jesus, I want to know you. I um mm. see, I want to I think she said, I, I want to, um, she said bye to Buddha. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. And she, she said, said, I, I want to know you God. And I want to, want to serve wow. you something like that. That night she said, goodbye, Buddha, God, I want to follow you. I want to know you. And, um, and after that, God started speaking to her and, and she would have, she would pray and talk to Jesus and mm. she would ask like which college to go to and, and just different decisions she had to make. So God led her to go to the specific college that where we met her 
where we were ministering, yeah. And then we were able wow. to give her her first Bible ever and tell her so much she more about it. Jesus because, yeah. you know, she didn't know anything. And um, it was just incredible that she, it was, it was like God revealed himself to her, even though she had no, pretty much no information about him. And I want to add some stuff. Well, first of all, so we were talking about remote areas. So this is actually a fairly major city, but uh, mm. a, a nation that's close to the gospel, right? So when we talk about remote areas, it's like, you know, how do you define that, right? Because like, this is a place that's very close to the gospel, but fairly major city. And, and she felt fairly free. You know, they had internet, but then she, you know, all she knew of Jesus was this propaganda. Right. But that, you know, she prayed this prayer and wanted this relationship with God. And then Holy Spirit started guiding her and she had close to no scripture, you know, just the scripture and propaganda until we met her. And I got to say something that, that kind of gets off topic a bit, but I think it's important. Like when I heard this, it messed with my theology a bit because I'm like, well, but did you repent of your sins? Like, like, how did this work? Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and she, uh, you know, I did this very, uh, I think, gracefully, hopefully I didn't like attack her, but, um, but she, she thought for a second, you know, and then she responded, she's like, no, I didn't. But when I prayed, I felt like God took away all my wrong. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> wow. Isn't that amazing? No, that's, that's she so good. She didn't know to repent for her yeah. sins. She didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She had well, to, to know God and follow him. Yeah, man, that's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I've heard, I've heard so many cool stories, even, um, from like Middle Eastern countries where people that have never heard the name of Jesus, that they'll have dreams, you know, I'm sure. And I know I've heard stories from Africa and different different parts of the world, too, where they'll just have dreams. And, and I, you know, I, I heard specifically, I believe it was a Middle Eastern country where these people, it was happening regularly and it was happening so often, like where people would have a dream and they would see basically to them, it was a man in white who... What, who wanted to save them and take their sin away and they didn't know they didn't know who he was but it was it started happening so regularly in this region that some undercover like Christian uh, you know leader missionaries that were there uh, they actually began to um, like encounter people and they knew the questions to ask like oh have you seen the man in white in your dreams? Like questions like that mm -hmm. and that people it was happening so regularly that the people they they were like they'd be like yeah and they would respond and then they would they would disciple people through the process of of just giving their life to jesus in this place where they had no idea who jesus was and that i, I do remember like that particular story came out of an area i mean you know we we talk about the like the 1040 window you know, going back was yeah. was like such a huge focus of prayer and intercession for so many years. Um, and it's just amazing, like what God will begin to do in the lives of people that we don't even realize, like, OK, this people are praying, like people around the world are praying, people around the world are interceding, people around the world are 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 doing this. And um, God is so good that he'll even begin to encounter people right where they are when they, like you said, in this situation where the information about God was so limited, it was so limited, but even through that, uh, this person had an encounter with, yes. uh, you know, with God and was able to get to know him. Um, that's so cool that, uh, that, uh, you guys were, were able to be there and to walk her through and disciple her through that process. That's so cool. 
Um, let's see. I wanted to, um, yeah. So I don't know. Like I've heard that, and this might be totally inaccurate. I've heard that about 40% of the, of the world, as far as like population, uh, it would still fit into that category of unreached. Um, I don't know how true that is. I mean, I, I don't know if that includes people like in these areas, like you're talking about, where there is some exposure to the gospel, but it's, you know, it's so limited that there's a good chance that a lot of people have never had the chance to, to get to know him. Um, I don't know. But it's just, it, it's amazing when it, it really moves my heart when I see people like you who have just dedicated their lives to this, to seeing people of the world that are unreached. Um, just coming to the knowledge of Jesus. So, yeah, yeah, really yeah. appreciate you guys and what you're doing. Yeah, as far as just going back to the unreached thing, you know, there's so many, like, where our focus is where there's not training, right? So, like, yeah. in, in the persecuted nations in Asia, like, you know, they can't just get on the internet and go, you know, sure. uh, to an online Bible school. They can't just, uh, you know, um, leave their country and go to whatever Bible school they want and stuff like that. And so that's why we do what we do. And then, in flip side africa and a lot of places in latin america they can't afford it right there's that economical mm. issue and so um and then often you know the, the gospel is growing huge in a lot of different nations uh, a lot of places have been in africa you know most people it seems like are christian i think especially Tan tanzania as i want to say but don't quote me on anything but anyway a lot of people i met were, were christians and in, in african nations i've been to and but there's just lack of training right um you know, whoever was the Christian the longest, a lot of times it becomes the pastor uh, in the community. And so that's why we're trying to meet that need and, and get people trained up there. Um, and we see some of that in Asia as well, right? Whoever's the Christian the longest, they kind of like, okay, you're it. You're, you're the guy in charge. <laughs> and then that, that leads to some issues of, you know, maybe that, that person's not called to be the pastor. Maybe that person is not, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the best person, you know. Um, so yeah, trying to get people trained, trying to get people to be equipped and have that those resources available. So, and you know, for a while, Tim and I were doing um, personal evangelism with student with yeah. college students in Asia, where we we would we would witness to people one on one. You know, the two of us would witness to someone um, or disciple someone. But and that that was that was really fun and really amazing. But there's such a huge need out there that what God, God really put on our hearts was to do training. more, to, to move to a bigger scale where we cover more people at once. So instead of Tim and I finding a person and witnessing to them in Asia and getting them saved and discipling them, what we do now, what God led us to do now is we get, a, we get Bible schools all mm. over Asia, all over Africa, all over all over the world yeah and those bible schools train train up pastors and train up people in churches sometimes churches will just have their whole entire congregation go through the bible school or or, or most of their congregation and so we're training up thousands and thousands of people all at once and then those people are the ones that are going out and witnessing one-on-one -on -one. wow and so it's like we 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 made a transition where we were the ones witnessing and that was awesome it was fun we got a, we we brought a lot of people to the lord discipled a lot of people but now we're training up other people 
to witness, to share Jesus, to disciple. And so it's really cool to see how much more, how much bigger our impact is. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think it's, it's really cool that God led us to do that. And, and um, we've just seen so many testimonies, so many people saved, so many people discipled churches doubling and tripling in size because wow. of the schools were starting. Wow. Because like the, <laughs> so, okay. So just to give an example, some of the churches in Africa that we're sending these Bible schools to, as Tim said, the person who has been the Christian, the longest becomes the pastor because that's just who they have available. And so maybe that person has been a Christian for a year, maybe, maybe three but even if they've been a Christian for 10, 20 years, usually they know hardly anything about the Bible. And so they're trying to pastor, lead this church and teach the Bible, uh, preach sermons when they know hardly anything about the Bible. They know hardly anything about how to preach. And so they're, they always tell us that they're worried that their sermons are not theologically accurate. And, and that's often true. <laughs> and, and, and they also, they, they don't know how to preach good. So they, they often have this mindset, the longer you preach, the better. So they'll do these two or three hour sermons. Interrupt them. So one of our testimonies is just so memorable. And I, I can't remember the person's name, but um, they, they went through the course, the, the, the whole, you know, nation, nation, uh, Christian university, the whole, I think, four year program. And they're like, you know, after going through this program, I realized, you know, you really need to have a prepared sermon and stick to God's word and, you know, just go, go through, if you know, two or three points and, and around 30 minutes is a good time for people's attention span. And she's like, I used, used to think, you know, I would just teach as long as I could. And that, that was good. So I would teach for like three hours. She's like, now I'm teaching 30 minutes and the church is growing. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Hey, some American pastors need to hear that too. <laughs> you were like, you were like, uh, yeah, these they they recognize that they uh, that they don't know enough word and <laughs> and that they're they they might not be theologically accurate. Well, hey, at least they're concerned about that because yeah. uh, I could point to some people that you know I could point to some people that that don't even care and uh, yeah. yeah, but. Yeah, so a lot of these African pastors are going from super boring three-hour sermons that are not theologically accurate mm. to very interesting, um, on the edge of your seat, 30-minute sermons that are theologically accurate. And That's in addition awesome. to that, they are starting like a praise team with like a good praise team because they learn about that in our Bible school. And um, they're they're having kids church for the first time, um, you know. They're 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 doing all these things to make their church better that they're learning in our Bible school. So their churches are doubling and tripling in size, and and people from that those cities, towns, villages, are just coming and pouring into those churches, and it's is and getting saved and and uh, getting discipled, and it's really really incredible to see how our Bible schools are changing lives. Oh, that's awesome. I love it so much. Oh, I really love it. I really love the approach. Again, I think I mentioned this already, but I love the approach of um, putting the knowledge in the hands of the people um, rather than, you know, always having it where they need to come to you to get more. They need to come to you to get more, but empowering the people that are there. And uh, yeah, I just, I love it so much. It's so cool um, to see what you guys are doing, what God is doing. How, how has anything, uh, did this past year with COVID, really affect you guys a lot? I mean, I know it affected you in terms of being able to travel, 
but you guys were it seems like you were probably already doing a lot of the video type stuff and everything i mean but what kind of impact did this past year have on you did it shift the way you do things at all different in every nation i would say uh okay you know some nations delayed some nations never stopped some nations grew (laughs) uh it was very interesting um you know a lot of the nations in africa were not hugely affected by COVID at first. Actually, we had a uh, beginning of this year, more, more, more of our schools affected in Africa. Okay. Um, in Asia, um, yeah, I, I told you we started a new nation here pretty recently, but, but there was, there's definitely a lot of issues there. And I don't even know if it's all COVID related, you know, there's just, there's so many governments that are persecuting their people. Um, and that increased, you know, I don't know, because of COVID or, or, or simultaneously with COVID, you know, so that, that affected some stuff. And just um, you know, makes it difficult. Uh, you know, some sure close down. Some um, we have to uh, <laughs> do yeah. some. Like I, I know one one for instance, they move their location every week and that sort of thing. Um, and like we even have some schools in America, and so some of those paused for a bit. Um, wow. And we have online. Uh, you know, so if you're in a free nation like America, you can just go online that, that sort of thing. So. Um, yeah. And th- that's how we, that's kind of our model too. Like online people um, and, you know, in, in the U.S. people pay. And then that we try to get it free as much as possible overseas. So people in Latin America, Africa, they can't afford it. Hey, they can afford it because some American person is paying like equivalent to like a gym membership for uh, their online school. So gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So can you tell me about like, what does a typical school, a typical Bible school that you guys uh, establish overseas, what does it look like? Is it a, are you guys like actually, are people building a facility or or are they doing them them in houses or in churches? Are they like in, you know, like how does does it work? Or is it different depending on the area that you're in and who you're partnering with? um, In most parts of Asia, it's going to be someone's apartment. Um, Awesome. That that's almost always it's in someone's apartment, and then I love that. in Latin America, I believe it's in a lot of different churches, but it's it's different in every nation. You know, we're in a lot of nations there. In Africa, I've seen six or seven different setups uh, in a church, in a home, uh, just outside in the village yeah. area. Um, there's uh, one we have in a refugee camp, and it's this old like stone building with no air conditioning and a thousand degrees. Wow. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else we've seen. I know some places it's it's you know with a solar panel and and just projected onto the side of like a mud hut kind of thing. We mm. have it even set up like that. Wow. So all kinds. It's hard to be like this is the normal one. Uh, in the U.S., it's very normal. It's usually at a church. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah. In different nations, they they use what they have, um, you know. And what it's crazy too, you know, uh, to think about how we have it in the states. Like, um, we'll have these huge mega screens for any sort of thing. We 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 right. walk on a screen. Uh, they'll have twenty four inch TV monitor and pile thirty guys around it to do a Bible school. In many cases, so um, it's all kinds, man. It's it's but it's always there's going to be a screen that's going to be the teacher. You know, and then there's a facilitator that's kind of in charge of everything, collects the grades, hands out the tests, that sort of stuff. And that's always a national. So, so cool. And so, oh, I think I lost my guests. Oh, they're coming back. Here we go. Okay. All right. I got you guys back. <laughs> it's thundering here. I don't know if we lost internet for a second or what. Yeah, it was. Int- you said you said it's thundering. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what it was. Um, yeah, well, that was short lived. 
so that was good. It, it only it only lasted for a few seconds. Um, yeah. So the uh, and then the the structure of the school as far as like the time the the time commitment is that different or is that kind of the same across the board? So like it is different. Yeah. It's so. All right, I'm gonna go with the the, the U.S. because that's more standardized, whereas we we were flexible, man. We try to get it every place possible. So it's different every nation, every place. In the U.S. typically, it's three hours a week, right? So that okay. people come there uh, to the church. Usually, um, they watch, you know, uh, about an hour and a half of teaching. There's discussion. There's tests. There's quizzes. Um, there's notes and their homework. They have to do six hours of service in the church. Um, so that gets people more involved in the church. Um, and so it usually takes, you know, for bachelors four years to go through that program at that rate. Now in Africa they'll go through that program in a year because they're just like, you know, they want to get it done. And okay. uh, yeah. So, and, and it's, it's just, it's different everywhere. It depends on the facilitator, the director, who's, you know, who's, who's running that particular school, how fast they want to go through it, but it is a condensed uh, course. Program. Okay. Awesome. And um, I had a, I had a follow-up question and I, it just slipped my mind. Um, do, so you have, people can partner with you guys. Is that correct? Like if, if somebody said, I want to start a Bible school, um, you know, whether it's as a, as a missionary overseas or something like that, like as I want to partner with you guys and I want to plan a, I want to start a Bible school in this area or even like here in the U S is that something that you guys offer? Can people choose Absolutely. to like yeah. partner so up with you guys? That's a lot of phone calls we get we get calls from all different nations in all different States. Like, Hey, can we start a Bible school? And so like, there's a small fee if they do it in the U S or if they, even if they take it from the U S to go someplace, we usually charge a small fee because it does cost our staff to do stuff. Right. Um, but then when we're starting up the school in Africa, Latin America, there's almost never a fee for in that nation. Um, wow. if there is a fee, it's just to cover that facilitator's time and that facilitator making notes, printing them out, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what we do. We connect with missionaries, we connect with pastors, nationals and, uh, get schools set up because that's what it's all about. It's, we're not, you know, we don't have enough people to go into all these places. Um, cause there's plenty of nations I haven't been to. I've been to what, seven of the 40, maybe. Wow. <laughs> 40 trying to think. <laughs> yeah. Um, Very cool. So here in the U S are they mainly through, um, is it mainly like you guys teaming up with a pastor who wants to put one in the church or can it be, it's usually connecting with pastors. That? But what we found is it's usually like a leader in the church. The pastor usually doesn't have time to be the facilitator and spend, you know, three hours with it. And, you know, there is a little bit of extra work for the facilitator because they got to take care of all the grades and that sort of thing, the homework. Right. Um, so usually there's some leader, you know, deacon, elders, things like that in the church that take it on. Okay. And uh, so here in the U.S., is it, are we talking about, um, is this like an accredited um, school? You mentioned the bachelor's. How does that work? And I believe there's even another online school that takes, well, I won't, I won't get into it because I'm not 100% sure, but okay, it has sure. a religious accreditation, right? Um, we, you know, you can't transfer to, you know, University of Texas or something like that, right? Right, right. right. Um, but we have had people get employment based off of it and that sort of thing, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about... Um, uh, I'm going to bring up this website here again, theoutlawadventures.com. Just a little bit on how people can kind of uh, learn a little bit more about you guys and what you do, how they can connect with you and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Um, so the outlawadventures.com, that's our website. It's kind of, there's not much on it other than like kind of, I guess, blog style stuff of our updates mm -hmm. that we send out once a month. And, uh, you know, we send out a paper letter as well as an email once a month, just what's going on with us, our family, our ministry. It's awesome. And uh, we realized with all the filters nowadays, Yahoo and Gmail and all the different stuff, I think only about half our people or less actually get the email. So I'm like, you know, we need to come another way. Okay. So we got yeah. a website, theoutlawadventures.com. They can go there, click it, and it actually takes you to like, kind of like a Facebook interface. Uh, I think a Facebook group is the word. I don't know the right terminology, but anyway, all the all the the newsletters, all the updates are on there, and so that kind of has our database, all our updates, and um, and if people don't get them, they can sign up for them. And um, anything else on that? I think it's yeah, yeah. There's a there's a sign up link on the on our website where people can get get our updates by snail mail or email as well. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So if you're interested in uh, just more information on what Tim and Sarah um, are doing, if you're interested in keeping up to date on their missions work, their missions activities and all that kind of stuff, just go to this website, theoutlawadventures.com. And uh, I believe it's right there on the on the homepage when you get in there. If you just scroll down a little bit, maybe um, you'll see the the form that you can fill out. Uh, just a, not a form, but, you know, the few little fields there that you can fill out. Put your yeah. information in there. Yeah, exactly. And get set up on that on that email newsletter list, uh, snail mail letter list. Um, it'd just be so cool just to kind of keep up to date on what they're doing. And uh, I do just want to say as well, there's uh, also some opportunities. If you go there, theoutlawadventures.com, um, you'll see how you can support even financially and through prayer and some other different ways that you can support um, the work that Tim and Sarah and the organization that they that they partner with are doing around the world. Again, guys, I really, I really love what you're doing. I really, really appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for uh, taking the time out and doing this. Uh, Sarah, uh, again, especially, especially you with uh, being so close to, um, what, are, what are we, about two weeks away or so? Yeah, two weeks away. <laughs> two weeks away from child number two. So cool. So excited for you guys. I love it. Um, so again, thank you guys so much for being here. Really appreciate you. Is there anywhere else that you would like to point people to? I don't know, maybe like on Facebook or anywhere else on social media. If not, that's fine. But I'll just where say people, people can connect want with you, to, um, you know, join the Bible school online, or they want to set up a Bible school in their church or another nation. Go to Nation to well, just Google Nation to Nation. The website's a little. Uh, it's n to ncu.org. But if you just Google Nation number two Nation. Um, you can find it. It's the first thing usually. So, <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you everybody for, uh, checking out this episode. This is episode eight of real live talk. This episode, along with all past episodes will be uploaded later on, um, today to Spotify, Apple podcasts, all the major podcast platforms. And, um, you can always go to uh, my Facebook page at DK Lamastra. If you like or follow, you'll get notified of uh, all future live events. Next one will be Monday. I don't remember what time Monday. I think actually the next one's going to be Monday evening. So I'll just make sure I let everybody know what's going on there, but thank you guys for listening or watching. However, you checked out this podcast, really appreciate it. And, uh, thank you again, Tim and Sarah. Um, love you guys. Love what you're doing. It's so needed. Um, so blessed by your heart and just desire to to reach the unreached and to empower people all over the world, even in remote places, to just pursue Jesus more. So needed what you're doing. And uh, yeah, really appreciate it. So thanks again for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah this was fun.
All right, so this episode's over, but don't forget that you can catch new episodes of Real Live Talk live every Monday and Thursday on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn Live. You can also find all past episodes at redcircle.com slash shows slash real live talk, as well as on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and a whole bunch of other platforms where you can find podcasts. Thank you so much again.